Hello and a very warm welcome back to the Fearless Finance Podcast. Quite often I'm asked, what book or resources would I recommend for people who are starting out and they're interested in the field of personal finance? And a book title which I recommend and have been recommended to me several times has been The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Classen. Now, it's a little book and it's uh, told in the in the style of a fairy tale or a fable, which some people poo-poo at, I suppose, in amongst the heavy tones about Wall Street investments or cryptocurrencies and so on. But as I said, as a foundation to get some really interesting principles around wealth and money management, it's a great place to start. In fact, in a couple of my interviews recently, the guests mentioned Richest Man in Babylon, which got me thinking that perhaps it's time that I revisited it and shared some of the key learnings with you on the podcast. So here we go. The book starts, once upon a time in ancient Babylon, there was a very rich man named Arkad. In fact, he was the richest man in the land. Seeing this, two of his childhood friends approached him to ask how he became so wealthy, while they had worked very hard and yet could barely feed their families. Arkad smiled and told them that in exchange for his services as a scribe, he had once been told the secret to wealth by another rich man. The secret was, a part of all you earn is yours to keep, or as we like to call it, pay yourself first. In other words, you must not spend all you earn, but rather invest it, and invest it wisely. And this is what our character Arkad had done to get started. He saved up enough money to lend to a shield maker, who then paid interest on the loan, thus beginning to grow Arkad's wealth. And the richest man in Babylon consists of parables like this one. So I would recommend that you get and enjoy the book. But in the meantime, I'll give you some of my takeaways from uh, my latest rereading of the stories. Have you ever wondered why some people are better at acquiring wealth than others? Is it because they're thrifty and stuff every penny they save under the mattress, whilst others squander what they earn on all kinds of trinkets? In fact, the secret of becoming wealthy lies somewhere in between these two. To become wealthy, you must not just hoard money, but also know how to use it wisely. So step one is to save up money. And obviously this means you can't spend everything that you earn. You must therefore live slightly below your means. Perhaps you can choose to cut back on some little luxuries in life. But by saving up money in this way, it's not sufficient for you to become wealthy. You must also seek investment opportunities. Someone wise once said, if you want to be rich, you must own something. And this is because the money in your mattress won't increase in value. Even putting it into a bank will only generate measly interest. Instead, you have to invest your savings in something that will generate more wealth, like stocks, bonds, or even funding a startup. If you do this right, your savings will increase in value with no real extra effort on your part. Whenever you do make an investment, though, be sure to do it wisely. Only entrust your savings to people who know how to use them or increase your own financial education. Another takeaway from the book is that you can accumulate wealth slowly by learning or through trial and error. Many people dream of becoming rich overnight, but other than winning the lottery, there's very little chance of this actually happening. Gaining wealth is a long-term process made up of countless tiny steps and often more than a few setbacks. Another key takeaway from the book is don't just work for money to afford the things you want today, but rather make long-term investments where your money is working for you. What do you think the difference is between people making money and attaining wealth? 
maybe never thought of this before, but there are two important distinctions. Making money describes a process where you work for money, but attaining wealth means being in circumstances where money is working for you. To better understand this, imagine that you work as the manager of a profitable business and every month you take home a good wage. Clearly you're making money, but are you attaining wealth? Not necessarily. For that, you need to go through the process of saving up and investing some of that money. For example, if you were to save part of your income and invest it in property, you would be attaining wealth because your money would be working for you and not the other way around. Making money is usually done to achieve short-term financial success. You usually only care about the things you can buy with that next paycheck, while the future is of little concern. But there's an inherent danger in this kind of thinking. What if something happens and that paycheck never arrives? Attaining wealth, on the other hand, involves longer-term goals. For example, the property that you bought won't bring you immediate wealth. Rather, you have to pay off the investment or wait for the value to increase. And this can take a while. But once the investment starts paying off, it will most likely keep doing so for as long as you own it. And this kind of long-term planning can help provide security for unexpected events like losing your job, for example. Making investments that return an interest can be highly lucrative. When you borrow money, for example, by taking out a student loan, chances are you have to pay interest on it, and this costs you money. Conversely, when you lend someone else money, you can expect them to pay interest for it, and this is one of the key ways in which those with money can attain more. To understand why paying interest is a fact of life, we have to grasp that money is a resource just like employees or raw materials. So imagine you want to start a bricks and mortar business, like a shop, a factory or something similar. What do you need? Well, naturally you might need raw materials to create your products and the labor to make them. And naturally you would expect to pay for these resources, but you also need capital, money with which to start your business. In this sense, capital is a resource just like any other and, and as such must be paid for. To attract employees, you need to offer a salary, and in the same way, to attract capital, you need to offer the investor something, usually interest. So as an investor, interest is an attractive way of building wealth because of its compound nature. You can get your interest earnings to increase over time because you'll also be earning interest on top of interest. So let me give you an illustration. Imagine that you invest £100,000 in a new business. And on the due date, the owner pays you back the original sum plus 10% interest, which would amount to £110,000. You then decide to reinvest the whole amount into another business with the same terms. This time, when you get back the sum plus 10%, you'll receive, wait for it, £121,000. So your interest earnings have increased. You could continue this process indefinitely always earning more and more interest. So as you can see, your money not only works tirelessly for you, it also becomes increasingly effective at what it does over time. Another fun learning point from The Richest Man in Babylon was that opportunity is a source of good luck, which, unlike chance, may be pushed to occur more frequently. So how would you define luck? Many people think luck constitutes random, serendipitous events. But is this really always accurate? So you're in a sports tournament, tennis, 
for example. You've practiced hard for months and prepared thoroughly. In the end, you win the final by your ball clipping the top of the net so it bounces just outside the reach of your opponent. Was this pure coincidental luck? Probably not. You've earned that luck through your hard work and practice. So when people talk about random luck, they're really talking about chance. Chance implies something random and non-influential happening, like winning the lottery or being struck by lightning. So luck needs to be distinguished from chance because luck is not truly random. Instead, people work hard for it and earn it. I believe it was Gary Player who said, the harder I practice, the luckier I get. So how can we work to make ourselves luckier? Simply by being constantly on the lookout for opportunities to increase your wealth. For example, imagine an entrepreneur who's interested in consumer technology and therefore spends time every day reading trend reports, examining the global situation and reaching out to innovators in their network. One day she reads that 3D televisions are expected to be the latest trend and later the same day hears from an inventor in her network who's discovered a method for producing 3D televisions at half the conventional price. Naturally, she seizes the opportunity and starts producing televisions, becoming very successful. Clearly, her hard work, vigilance and willingness to seize the opportunity will produce this stroke of luck. So we can see how being on the lookout and then seizing opportunities can produce good luck. But the other side of the coin is letting opportunities slip through your fingers. So why do people forgo opportunities? Far too often because they procrastinate. Go back to our entrepreneur's story and the 3D TVs. If she decided not to invest in the new technology and instead waited for it to prove itself and become more established, the inventor would have surely found someone else to invest in their product. You can't wait for opportunities to be handed out on a silver platter. You must be proactive and seize them or you may miss out. If you want to increase the flow of opportunities that you see, you simply have to work hard, study and investigate the areas you're interested in and build a network so you'll be able to spot and appreciate opportunities when they do come around. Remember though, that golden opportunities really are rare, even if you are working hard. This means you might have to wait a while, which can be discouraging because it seems like your hard work isn't producing any results. But endurance will pay off eventually, and when an opportunity does come apparent, you're ready to strike. So the last story I'll share from The Richest Man in Babylon talks about financial ruin. So how can we avoid this? First of all, we need to make decisions about expenses and costs with a realistic assessment of personal needs and current financial circumstances. For example, say you desperately want a new flashy car. You don't really need it, and buying it would require taking out a big loan on very unfavorable terms. Rationally, you should not get it, but let's say you do anyway. So now you're using a chunk of your income to pay off the interest, and eventually you'll hit the point where you pay back the actual debt. You can't really afford it, so you just take another loan to pay off this one. And just like that, you've ended up in a debt spiral and a better hope that the flashy car is also comfortable to sleep in. In fact, taking on debt in general is a bad idea, especially consumer debt, because you won't be able to save up money to invest and accumulate wealth if you're spending all your income paying back debt. Debt is usually charged at a much higher rate of interest than you get on your savings and therefore you're always going to be one step behind. So the key messages in this book are, so what are the key messages in this book? Well, the secret to becoming wealthy is living below your means to save up money and then investing part of it in a way that generates interest for you. 
you must also understand that you can earn yourself luck by working hard and seizing opportunities bravely. So here are the tips. First of all, live below your means. You've probably heard me spoke before about raising your awareness. Be clear about what you earn and what you spend and then trim that accordingly to live below your means. Never take on debt to buy consumer items because once you find yourself in such unnecessary debt, it's hard to get out of it. If you desperately want the item in question but can't currently afford it, save up to buy it. And the second point is to invest part of what you earn wisely. Whatever you earn, ensure you don't spend all of it on the things you want. Save part of it and invest it into, for example, index funds or stocks. As this way, the money will begin working for you, earning you interest and dividends. However, be sure to make the investment wisely. Increase your own financial education or entrust your savings to a respected advisor. No matter how attractive an opportunity seems, if the person you're entrusting your money to is inexperienced in the field, chances are it will fail. So there you go. There's some key takeaways from the little book, The Richest Man in Babylon. I'll be delighted to hear from you with your thoughts and your takeaways and suggestions of other books to cover. And if you're interested in learning from the best authors, consider joining my monthly money book club where you receive a copy in the post along with some other selected gifts. And then we'll get together once a month to discuss the key learnings from the book, answer your questions and discuss any points that you'd like to raise. It's a really nice, friendly community of people interested in increasing their financial education and on a wealth journey such as yourself. The link's in the show notes, but if you visit fearlessfinance.co forward slash book club. Thanks again for joining me today and I look forward to seeing you again next time.